What is going on, guys? This is Maddie C back with yet another episode of Bullpen Bros. Hope you all are doing good. I am doing great. I'm excited for today's episode. I'm great to be back with you guys. You know, I it's been a week. You know, we took a week off trying to figure out audio issues, and I hopefully think we got it down packed where we shouldn't have any problems, and we're able to give you guys the best content that I can. But before we get into anything, I know what you're thinking. You're like, hold up, Maddie C never does intros what's going on here and to that i would say you're correct i normally do not usually you're hearing brenda's voice right now telling you guys everything that we got on slate but brenda was a busy man and he will not be joining us for today's episode or episodes to come um he's a busy guy you know and his schedule is very hectic um so he would not be joining us any longer um he does know that he is welcome back anytime so anytime he has time to join us on an episode, he's like, hey, Majesty, can I jump on with you this episode? Open arms, you know, we started this together. I want us to be able to do this together. And he said that in the summer, he's going to be more open. So hopefully we can get him back for the summer once summertime rolls around. Um, but he's in the heat of college baseball season right now. He works for Wichita State, like you mentioned. Um, so he's a busy guy. And um, I'm happy for him. I'm happy he's doing his own thing. Happy he's got what he's got going on. I do tend to do great things in baseball and just in his field of what he does. So I'm happy for him, and anytime he's welcome back, he's he can join us anytime. But as we continue, um, it is going to be me. So I'm sorry you're going to have to listen to my voice for the next hour, hour and a half, however long we go. You know, I don't know how long I could talk. A lot of my friends know I love to talk. Um, if you ever got to meet me, you would know that I'm a very personal person, but I'm excited to get this going with you guys. You know, I'm excited to still talk baseball and still do what we do on the show. You know, we got a lot of good fan questions coming in. Um, and then we get to talk, uh, NL East baseball. You know, this is a very interesting division. A lot of good things have happened over this off season already. So I'm excited to see what we got going on. So with that, let's jump in to the warmup pitch. You know, we got some great fan questions and before we get even the fan questions started i want to jump into something that passed recently due to the lockout and that's universal dh this i think is huge 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 for the game of baseball i think this takes baseball to the next level because i was a big proponent for this when we had it in the short season i was hoping we pushed it onto the regular season um, and never got passed for last regular season, but this year we're going to have it finally. And I couldn't be more excited about it because now I think free agency is going to get a lot more exciting because now you got guys like Kyle Schwarber who necessarily isn't, he could play defense. I don't want to knock the dude on his defense. Oh, he's still a great defensive player, but you sign him and you get him for his back. You get him for his production that he can give you at the plate, right? So with this happening, he no longer has to go to an AL team. This opens up the door to a lot of NL teams that could use a power bat. You know, we talked about Cincinnati and um, last episode, or no, we haven't talked about Cincinnati yet. Just kidding. We talked about the Indians. That's who it was. And we talked about the Indians and how he would fit right there because of that DH rule. Well, now he can. You know, now this is the area to where Schwarber's value goes up even more so now because he can provide that power bat in a lineup that's going to help you out and help that middle of the order. Um, Nick Cassianos, you know, um, helps out teams there. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of 
versatility, and then you're going to get into. I'm going to get into it a little bit with the Mets and their situation. Um, I'm really happy that the MLB came to this conclusion in allowing this to happen because no one wants to see. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm a big. I'm a big baseball guy. Trust me when I say that. I love watching games. I love watching the competitive the competitiveness and the situations. And my girlfriend can even tell you. Like, she can't stand watching the game with me because I would dissect a game inning by inning, pitch by pitch, um, give my thoughts on it, and she honestly can care less. Like, she looks at me with this look, and she's just like, yeah, no, I really have no idea what you're saying. You're, like, speaking French to me at this point, and it just goes straight over my head. And I get it. But, you know, I love this because now it makes every single pitch, every single bat just that much more rewarding because now... We get moments to where we get competitive at-bats, you know? We don't have to deal with um, Clayton Kershaw coming up with runners on second and third, one out. Key situation, um, you know, whether it can make the difference in the ball game in the seventh inning, sixth inning. Excuse me. But, yeah, no, I mean, I just love the competitive at-bats now because now, like, we don't have to have those at bats to where it's an easy out for the the pitcher on the mound because now he just has to throw it over the plate and the guy's just going to stand there and just let things happen. Or now we just get competitive at bats. I know a lot of baseball people, a lot of baseball minds out there wanted to see competitive at bats from a pitcher. You know, like you got your moments with uh, Bartolo Colon hitting the long ball. Mad Bum loves to hit. Um, I know there's a lot of pitchers I love to hit, but to be honest, as a fan and as a guy that just loves the game. I think we just needed this because I, I'm, I don't want to watch pitchers hit. I'm sorry. There's been too many guys even that's gotten hurt on the basis, you know. Um, guy I remember growing up being a Yankees fan, Ming Wong. Back when the Astros were on the in the NL, we were playing the Astros, I believe, in Houston. And he got hurt running the bases. He pulled a hamstring. And he ended up being out for, I want to say, it was like five starts or so. It could be wrong. could have been more. could have been less. I just know he missed time, and at the time he was having such a great season thus thus far, and it caused him to miss games. And I I can't stress, and I hate when seeing guys run the bases and they get hurt because I just think it's the most pointless thing in the world. You know, I don't, you shouldn't be out there. You know, we're pitcher, we're, we're POs for a reason. I got put at PO back when I was in high school, and you know, like I, I understood my role. You know, it wasn't the fact that I couldn't hit. Uh, I, I thought I was a decent hitter. Maybe some people that are listening that played with me maybe thought differently. I have no idea. But me, in my mind, I thought I was a good hitter. <laughs> but, you know, we're just going to move on for that. We're just going to let that be and let it play as is. But, um, but yeah, no, I'm excited about the D, uh, Universal DH. I think, it, I think free agency gets a lot more interesting and a lot more value gets added to some guys because now there's that versatility in teams and whatnot. So that's a very exciting aspect of it. Um, so I'm excited to see where that goes. And I just wanted to touch on that because I thought that was huge for the game of baseball. And with that, next we're going to start getting into our fan questions. We got some great submissions. Continue to send those in. I want to hear what you guys have to say, questions you guys have for me. So with that, our first question comes from Tyler Sneed from Columbus, Georgia. He asked, hey, Maddie, when do you think the league will come back from the lockout? In your eyes, rough estimate or no season at all? And to that I say, you know, I don't think it's going to come to the point to where we don't get a season at all. 
from the reports that have been coming out and everything that's been said, it sounds like we are still eyeing for a regular season start. Um, they did, as of today's recording, um, a couple days ago, they had said that they wanted to delay spring training. So games up until, I believe, I could be misquoted on this. Don't quote me on it, but I want to say it's all the way up until March 5th is, as of right now, the earliest of games that have been suspended. And that's very early on in spring training. Um, there's supposed to be multiple meetings coming up and determining whether we can reach an agreement or the players can reach an agreement. I'm sorry. And if they can shape and bang it all out. You know, I think the players want to get spring training starting. I don't think they want to delay anything. I know they already talked about refunding got people that um, have already bought spring training tickets for those games. And they want to refund them all the way back. And, you know, if they're refunding people, I really highly doubt they want to refund people for a whole entire spring training. Nobody wants that, you know, because we already lost so much money during COVID year. I doubt their MLB teams or even the MLB that want to go and be like, oh, okay, now I don't really want to refund all these people their money for buying games. I kind of need that money to get keep, keep this league going. You know what I mean? So I highly doubt they're going to want to push down any further than what it already is going to be. Um, I do think they do suspend it one more time. So I'm eyeing, I'm hoping, I really am hoping for like a mid, mid-March type start. That would be kind of ideal for me. I do think they're going to pause it and suspend it one more time. I think that's just the way things have been shaping out. You know, it's like they put a proposal out there and then they're like, eh, yeah, that's cool. Like, we agree to some of your terms, but here's our counter proposal. When the whole entire proposal that was given to them was great and outlined fine, but the association then goes like, oh, well, this, 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 and this are not necessarily what we're willing to do. So then the Players Association has to go back and renegotiate another one. So it's just it's just Rob Manford and the whole entire side that are just being really stubborn with the whole thing. I think the Players Association has been very lenient on a lot of things. Um but I'm hoping they can get it banged out and we can get a season on on time. Um, and if we do, that kind of, I mean, not saying MLB players aren't doing their own thing right now. Because a lot of people, a lot of them probably are. A lot of them still are doing live ABs. Um, they're still getting their bullpens in. But at the same time, though, it's not spring training. You know what I mean? It's not the live, at, like the live in-game at-bats, you know. And even still, I mean, spring training is what it is. Um, it's kind of It's kind of similar to fall ball where you don't turn on that competitive switch until you're actually in that box facing another team in the dugout and it actually matters. So I don't want to say that spring training necessarily doesn't matter, but it does. Um, you're still going to work with the team. You're getting a good idea of which pitchers are where. Um, guys that need to make a club. You know, I have a guy I'm going to talk about today that I think can make the club out of spring training. If um, he goes out and balls out, you know, and I think that's a big thing, too, is getting some of your younger guys out there against big league arms and allowing them to go out and do what they do because there are guys that can go out and match the ball. And we talked about Bobby Witt. Bobby Witt is definitely a guy, one of those guys that needs spring training to happen because I think he can make the ball club out of spring training. So I don't know. You know, I'm very interested in seeing what happens. I'm hoping we can get it started on time um, because I think a lot of teams would benefit from that. Um, but I don't know. Who knows what the MLB? Um, that that would be my rough estimate. Would be probably mid March, and getting kind of like a 
cut down spring training. And even that would be fine, like I said. But that's kind of my idea, and that's where I'm at with all that. Um, but yeah, so I hope that answers that for you, Tyler. Um, I know it is what it is. You know, this lockout really does suck. You know, I can't stand it as a baseball fan. Like, I'm always, at this point, I should be watching highlights, you know, of pitchers and catchers reporting already and seeing all these guys' bullpen and getting the yearly, oh, Roldis Chapman highlight from his bullpen the other day and then seeing Gary Sanchez miss it and boot it off to the right because he can't catch a ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like seeing that type of stuff and just hearing the pop of the glove again, you know, as an ex-player, that's probably one of the best sounds in the world, that and the crack of the bat, you know, crack of the wood bat. So I'm just as, I'm just as eager to get the season started as you are, and I'm hoping we get that soon. So this next question is coming from Trevor Newman from Lawrence, Kansas. He asks, who means more to the Angels, Mike Trout or Shohei Otani? And when I received this question from Shay, I was very intrigued because this really, like, I threw stats out the window um, because I was like, you know what? Like, I, I really just got to look at the value. You know, if I'm the GM of the Angels and I'm looking at it and I'm like, like, all right, well, Mike Trout is now getting into his 30s. You know, he's the best player in baseball without a doubt. I don't think there's a guy out there. Other than maybe the one guy that didn't vote for Ken Griffey to be in the Hall of Fame that wouldn't agree with you that Mike Trout is the best player in baseball right now. And <laughs> and I guarantee you it's probably that one guy that's going to say that. But Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. And it's there's no one that's going to deny you that. You know, he's 30 years old. And, you know, you got to look at the longevity. You've already, in my eyes, I feel like the Angels have wasted a lot of his career already. And, you know, I think you really got to start looking at that. And you got Shohei Otani. You know, he's not the youngest because of the whole um, transaction thing that has to happen with him coming from Japan over to the U.S. That's why a lot of those guys are older because I believe they have to have a certain amount of service time. I could be wrong. Um, I believe they have to have a certain amount of service time before they come over to the U.S. Um, but, you know, I really started thinking about this. You know, I can't do stats because that's unf like I don't want to say it's unfair, but you look at Otani. You know, he's a bat. He's a middle-of-the-order bat. You could bat him two, three, four. And he's going to produce. He's going to get hits. You know, he had a freaking MVP-type season. He's a rookie of the year, in which I'm still a little salty about because Miguel Andujar had a fantastic year that year. Given we haven't heard anything from him since, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But Otani is a rookie of the year, MVP, Cy Young. Like, he can be all these things for you. And he's just that versatile, you know? I don't see – you don't see very many guys nowadays that – excuse me. They can go out and pump 97 to 99 miles an hour, touching 100 and 100, uh, triple digits. You know what I mean? You just don't see that. And then being able to go out the next day and go three for four with two bombs and a double or a single. You know what I mean? Like that just doesn't happen. So I don't know. You know, for me, this is really hard because the whole, whole who means more. I think you have to look down. I think it comes down to because they're both the face of the franchise. You know, this is a very hard question for me to answer. You know, I'm going off the top of my head on this one because, like I said, I threw I threw stats out the window. You can't compare stats. You know, they're both out. They're both stellar players outright in their own sense. And you'll see that in this next fan question I have. I mean, I'll go in more in depth with that one too. But um, 
For me, I think it's Otani as of right now because he's 27. Um, he's 27. He's the face of the franchise. You know, Mike Trout's been out of the game last year, and he was. And my Shohei stepped into that role as the face of the franchise and was still that stellar player that the Angels needed. So as of right now, I say it's so Shohei Otani. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if down the line Mike Trout ends up getting traded or of the sorts because. I think if you're the Angels organization, you really get, really got to start looking at it and analyzing it as far as what you got with Mike Trout. You know, like, um, I should have looked at that as far as his contract goes. You know, he's the best player in baseball and he deserves to get paid like one. Um, I'm not sure if he recently signed one or how his whole contract is playing out. I probably should look that up. But I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, like I said, I'm going off the top on this one. But, um,. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Trout get traded in the next few years because he's 30 years old, like I said. You got a young uh, Shoei Otani who still is 27. That's a couple of years of saw until you get to 30. But Trout is still rightfully the best player in baseball. You know, I don't think the Angels will move on from him. I see these two being dynamic together for a very long time. Or for a very long time, I'm hoping. But if we want to go off of who means more in the future. I would definitely say it's Otani because there's not another player that you that I don't think we'll ever get to see that's like Otani. Um, so I think he's the most important only because he's been healthy and he's been able to produce for the Angels as to where Mike Trout necessarily hasn't been able to um, because of the injuries and um, the longevity wise and all that. You know, he's already given the Angels great years. Um, it's been wasted because we can't put it. The Angels can't put any talent around him to be successful. Um, so in my eyes, it's Shohei Otani. Um, I think this next year, if both can stay healthy, I think they'll have a great year, you know, and if they can get the right pieces in Anaheim and be able to piece together a ball club, I think that's going to be a great team because these two are, um, in my eyes, the one that Mike Trout is the best player in baseball right now. And then Shohei is probably number three on my, he's on my list as number three. You know, he's the third best player in baseball right now, just because of what he gives you. You know, and so that's my answer for that, Trevor. I hope that answers it for you. Um, if not, feel free to hit me up. We could discuss it more. Um, I'm more, I love to talk baseball. So feel free to always hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, whatever the case may be. Hit up Shay, um, whatever it may, may be. You know, I love, I like this discussion. I love these type of questions because to me, it makes me think. It makes me start to wonder, okay, if I'm in this spot, you know, if I'm the GM and I got to decide, Otani or Trout, who am I going to decide between, you know? So I love these questions. Keep bringing them in. I love these thinker questions. So this last question comes from Alex and Chris, and they are um, both Shay's close friends. So I thought I'd add them together because they both asked the same question. And they want to know, who are my top 10 players in baseball right now? And again, with this one, it's not that I didn't want to look up stats because if you look at past episodes, I love to look up stats and I like knowing numbers. But especially for this one, it's like I feel like I had to really go off field again because, you know, I can go off stats and give you number for number that um, Vlad Jr. is better than Mookie Betts. You know what I mean? Like I can go number for number. And then those numbers may stir me in the sense to where I'm like, I don't know. I think Mookie might jump Vlad Jr. You know what I mean? Like, So I felt like for me I had to go from the heart and I just had to – Go off my feel on who I felt like was deserving to be in my top 10. And um, it was really hard. I sat here 
thinking about these for a while. Um, I even talked to my dad and I was like, you know, it's very hard because I see this, this, and this, and then I can go back and then I see this, this, and this, and then I got it. And I just keep going back and forth. Like I can't tell you how many times I changed this list. Um, but I think my list is solidified and I think it's really fitting because of the division that we're talking about today, we have five guys that played in this division last year that are on my top 10 list. So this that just goes to tell you that this NL East division is pretty dang stacked. And with that, we're going to get started. I'm going to give you guys my honorable mentions. So I'm kind of giving you guys my top 15 guys right now because I thought it was, wasn't right to give you guys my top 10 without giving you who's on the outside looking in. So starting off at 15, we got Corbin Brewer. Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers. And this guy just had to be mentioned. You know, he had a fantastic year last year. This guy has nasty stuff, electric fastball, good running stuff, breaking stuff. He's just, he just had a stellar year last year. And I think at, at one point he had like a scoreless, um, a scoreless inning streak, you know, and that ran on for a while and no one was able to hit him, you know. And if you're a pitcher listening, you know how hard that can be. You know, going outing by outing or just a baseball player. You know how it is to piece together at bats and being able to go out and perform a three for four every day. Or being able to go out there and throw up zeros every day that you're out there throwing on the mound. And this guy did it for, I want to say it was like 90 innings. I could be wrong on that too. Um, But this guy went out and did it for that long. He had a scoreless inning streak for a while. And that's very hard to do. And this guy is just nasty. I think he's going to have another great year this year. And that's why I thought he was deserving to be in that 15 role. Um, right after, um, next to him with the 14 spot, I have Garrett Cole, the New York Yankees, um, put together another great Cy Young year last year. Um, Cole's the ace of the Yankees, you know, um, I get to watch him a lot being on my favorite team and, you know, every time he goes out there, you know, you have a chance to win. And I know he had the mark of the, the sticky stuff King or whatever the case may be, but, you know, even after the sticky stuff was banned, which a lot of MLB players used, um, he still went out there and was lights out. You know, he still had a three ERA. He still was lights out day in and day out. You know, he was still Garrett Cole. You know, upper nineties fastball, great slider, changeup. You name it, he still had it. Um, but I just don't think he performed to the level he could have last year. I thought he could have been a little bit better. He had a lot of shaky outings, especially in the wild card game against Boston. But you know that Boston team was really good, so. I can't fault him there, um, but he's the ace of the Yankees, and I think he's going to have a great year this year. I hope he does, you know, for the sake of the Yankees. And um, but yeah, next up at a 13 spot, we have Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, Fresno guy, where I'm from. Uh, we mentioned him on past episodes. Um, you know, he's a great player. You know, when healthy, that's the biggest thing to say is when he's healthy. Aaron Judge quite possibly is a top 10 player in baseball. But, you know, it's that longevity. It's that thing of him actually staying healthy. Is he going to be healthy for the duration of the season? Or is he going to miss games? You know, he's shown that when he is healthy, he's a 300 hitter. You know, he hits bombs. He has that presence at the plate to where you don't want to deal with him at all. You want to pitch around him, if anything. If he's swinging about hot, you don't want to face him. You know, he's not a Barry Bonds where you walk when bases loaded, but, I mean, he still has that presence. You know, he does strike out a lot. That's one thing. But his numbers from striking out went down a little bit from last year. And I want to say it's like a 
four or five points lower than what it was the year before, and then his walks actually went up. So him being very patient at the plate and learning what pitches to take, what not to take, um, which ones to swing at, which ones not to swing at is a very good part of him growing. And I think that's the only thing with him is he's still growing. He's still developing as a player. And that's kind of scary, knowing that he's put together the campaigns that he has. Um, so I think he's a guy that, uh, once again, can have another repeat repeat the year he did last year if he's healthy. Um, this is, And then next up at 12 is a guy I really, really is one of the ones I told you that I kept going back and forth on. Because I got to watch him when he was with the Red Sox a lot. And then him being in California, I get to watch him a lot now. Um, and that's Mookie Betts, you know. Uh, this guy, ever since he's came into the league, has been a top-tier hitter. You know, it's not very many times to where you watch Mookie Betts and he's going to get out. You know, he finds a way. He'll shoot one or the other way, put it in the gap. He'll loop one over the shortstop. He'll line one in the outfield. He'll hit one over the wall. You know, this guy does it all. And it's very hard for me not to have in my top ten. But with the guys that I have on there, I feel like it's solidified, and I think it's right for him to be at 11. Um, he's a great player for the Dodgers. He's the probably the, and he's probably the second best player on the Dodgers, in my opinion. He could make a case for him to be top 10. And if you made a strong case for him to be top 10, I wouldn't be mad at you. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I agree with that. I completely understand where you're coming from. And so that's where I get it. And Mookie Betts could be a top 10 player. But right now, for me, he's sitting at 12, um, only because of the year this guy ahead of him had. you know. And I think it's just a glimpse of the future of what he can be. And that's Vlad Jr. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is an absolute animal. And it's some of the hardest balls I've seen hit aside from Giancarlo and Judge. Anytime this dude's in the batter's box, this guy just absolutely... Mashes, you know, you, the type of year he put together last year, and he's still so young. That's the thing about him is that he's so young and he's doing the things that he's doing that I think he can have a better career than his dad did, you know. And that's really weird to say because Vlad Guerrero in himself had a stellar career, you know, and Vlad Jr., I think, is going to surpass that and be such a great player. Um, he's scary to watch, he's such a good guy to watch, you know, he plays the game hard. Hits the ball hard. And I'm sure Eric, my ex-roommate, is kicking himself right now. He's like, how, how are you having him at 11? Yada, yada, yada. And, he's, and we'd get in a big old argument over it if we were in the same house still. <laughs> and if you've been to that household, the one I'm talking about, you would know we had some off-the-wall baseball discussions. And that man has some of the weirdest takes you will probably ever get to listen to. So if you want me to bring some of those up. I will hit up Eric, and I will have him on, and we can discuss some of the takes that he has because some of those are just out of this world, and you're just like, yeah, no, buddy. You're just, no, don't don't even go there. <laughs> but with that, here we go. We got the top 10. And for me, my top 10 is based off of, I think these guys not only are the best players at their position, um, but I think they're just guys that play a certain role on their teams. And without them, I don't think their team would be as successful as what they are, you know. And I mentioned I already got my two Yankees off the board, and I can I can agree with those, you know. I think without Judge or Cole, the Yankees are not nearly as good as what they are now because those are two dudes that 
provide a type of presence on the Yankees lineup and rotation to where if we didn't have him, we have a Luis Severino who was hurt majority of the year before and came back and had a great time or a great uh, comeback and those little short stint that he had. And we'll see what he does this year. But the guys that we have on this list are guys that make a difference on their ball club. And without them, I don't think things go the way they do. Excuse me, I gotta get some water before we get started. Being the, it's hard talking by yourself. <laughs> Your throat gets a little dry, and you're just like, "Oh, I've been talking for a little while. Let me just let me wet the whistle a little bit." So with that, we're gonna get started at number ten. I have Freddie Freeman. I know he's not necessarily on the Braves. Um, he's a free agent right now, but again, on the Braves team, he played a role and has for so long that to me, he's part, he's. He's the best first baseman in baseball just because of what he provides. He provides you a very big contact bat at the plate who can hit for power, who gives you a gold glove type defense. Um, he's a leader on and off the field. He gives you everything you want from your first baseman, you know, and he makes plays a lot of first basemen can't make, and he does things at the plate that not you don't see from a lot of first basemen. A lot of first basemen are either power guys that pull the ball, they can't the ball over the fence. Freddie pretty much does it all. He can line one the other way. He can pull one in the gap. He can put one over the wall. You tell like, I feel like you can just tell Freddie Freeman what you want from him. He's gonna be like, all right, coach, yeah, I'll get that done for you. I think he's that type of player. And without the Braves, and without Freddie Freeman in that Braves lineup last year, I don't know if they won the World Series because he played. He plays a role, you know what I mean. And it's just whatever team he goes to, I think is going to be getting a very, very good first baseman that can do it all. And that's why he's at my number 10 spot, because he just is so versatile in what he can do. And I think it's warranted that he's in the top 10 conversation. At number 9, I have, I might get a little bit of hate from this. I'm ready for it already. Some people call him overrated. Some people don't. But he was MVP last year, so I'm going to put him on my list. And that's Bryce Harper. You know... Bryce Harper, ever since he's came up, has been one of my favorite players to watch. Whether you like him or don't like him, that dude plays the game hard. And I'm a very big proponent of playing the game hard. Playing it with your, leaving it all on the line, hustling every ball out, um, doing all the right things right. You know, And there have been times where he doesn't, he gets frustrated with himself and he doesn't play it hard. But when he lines one in the gap and he's busting, or Puts a little dribbler to the right fielder and notices that the right fielder is taking his time getting the ball. He'll bust his butt out of the box and he'll dig one out for a double. You know, that's just something you don't see. You know, a guy will hit a lot of the time in the major leagues. You'll see a guy that gets a base hit and just starts jogging his way down to first and takes a little turn and then comes back. No, Bryce Harper isn't like that. He plays hard, and I love that about him. And I think in the Phillies lineup, he, like I said, he fills that role. Without the without him in that lineup, you know, you I think he there's a whole there's a gap in that lineup to where you're just like, well, I'll get I'll get into that talking about the Phillies today. Like, there's a hole in the, there's a hole in that lineup without Bryce Harper to where you got Boom, you got uh, you know, you got the guys on that team Hoskins um, to where you're just like, okay, well, they're good, but I think we need another bat, and that's the bat. Harper provides. He provides you that power, that content, whatever you need. He's there. And then next up at number eight, I have Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians. Still weird to say that. Um, 
I'm not used to saying that. I probably won't for this next year or even hearing it. I won't like it. Um, Jose Ramirez has been a top third baseman in the league for the past few years. You know, that man does it all. He steals bags. He hits homers. He it gets on base. He hits for contact power, provides a solid glove at third base. Again, one of those guys that does it all. And the thing is, you don't see very many third basemen stealing bags like the way he does. You know, he's got wheels. He can run on you, and he will. And that's what I love about his game. He just provides something a lot of people aren't. You're something you're not able to get from a lot of everyday third basemen. And that's what I love about Jose Ramirez. Um, at number seven, I have the shortstop of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I have Trey Turner. I know some of you guys are like, really, Trey Turner at number seven, Maddie? What are we doing here? And you know what? I love Trey Turner. I love how hard that guy plays. That dude is the fastest player in baseball, and I will go down and make a bet on that. Whatever you need me to do, I will do it because I think that guy flies. That guy is probably the fastest player in baseball. I've never seen a man hit a ball hit a ball to the shortstop and beat one and beat it out. That dude just and that's what I appreciate about him. He not only does he provide a good glove at shortstop, he's probably the yeah, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I know what I was about to say. He's probably the best shortstop in baseball. I'm not going to go that far. Um, but he's definitely up there. You know, he he does it all, too. You know, a lot of the, like I said, a lot of these, I'm going to keep repeating myself because they do do it all. They're guys that fill that role on their team. And, you know, I think, like, one of the things that Bruno and I talked about in the past episodes is that you don't really ever see guys take that extra bag. You know, you don't see guys steal bags anymore. And he's still someone that does that, and I can appreciate that. You know, he provides you something where you can do a hit and run and provides that pressure on the bases to where pitchers are sitting there and shaking their boots because they don't want them to run on them. And so Trey Turner, Trey Turner is just that guy. You know, I'm really jealous that the Dodgers have him. Being in California um, and the Dodgers line up the way it is, um, I'm hoping they don't get Freddie Freeman in free agency because that lineup would just be crazy already. It's already crazy as it is. Um, that's why they're in the World Series almost every year now. But Trey Turner is just so good, and I love watching that dude play. I think he's going to have a great year this year, being having a full season in L.A., being in the NL West. Um, their only real competitor are the Giants. I don't see any of those other teams in that division. I'll get to that a couple episodes from now. I don't really see anyone touching the Dodgers in that division, unless the Giants put together another great year. Um, but I see the Dodgers as the NL West favorite because of guys like Trey Turner, because they have that type of – presence and a type authority in the lineup but that's my take there at number six i have the best pitcher in baseball the best pitcher in baseball is at number six because he deserves it and that's jacob Degrom. this guy has been lights out for the past few years and he makes guys miss like no no other you know i i just it's just enough said he's been the workhorse of the mets and he's had no support you know he his wins should probably be more than what they are. I think at one point I looked and he had like two wins and he had a .84 ERA last year. And I was like, excuse me? And like five starts. I was like, how do you how do you have a .84 and have only two wins and three losses? It's because your team can't produce another run. You know, the Mets fixed that. I'm hoping the Mets bounce back. Um, but Jacob deGrom has struggled for so long. He deserves a winning season. He's the best pitcher in baseball. And I think he's going to continue that ride. Um, number five, I have Ronald Acuna of the Braves coming off an injury. I'm hoping he's still the player he is. He had a very big injury. I don't know how it's going to affect him. 
if it'll affect him at all. I know his workout videos and everything he's posted so far has shown that he shouldn't have any problem in that aspect of uh, coming back rusty or anything like that. He looks good um, from what I've been able to see and looked on, looked on him. Um, so I'm hoping he's able to bounce back and be that top five guy that I have him be. Um, at number four, I have Fernando Tatis Jr. Only because he's one of the best personalities in baseball. And he's doing things at the plate at such a young age. You know, he is the face of the franchise in San Diego. Um, and he does things at the plate. Hits bombs, hits for contact. You know, his glove is solid. Um, he'll make every play with his glove. It's just a matter of if he's going to be able to make the throw. Um, sometimes I do think he gets a little flashy with some things. Um, that's just with being young, I think, um, and just learning to play the game at the MLB level and being able to make the routine plays. Um, so I think he's going to improve that aspect. But this guy is definitely a top-down player. Um, can make an argument for him not being at four. I would be able to hear that. But I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of the best players in baseball right now, and I think no one will deny me on that. Um, number three, I have Shohei Otani. I've already touched on him, discussing Mike Trout and Shohei and uh, the which one means more. So I'm not going to dwell on this that much because I already gave him a whole spill on him. But no one's doing what he's doing on the mound or at the plate and doing both. No one's doing it. So I think he's rightfully so at three. Number two, I have Juan Soto, one of the best young players in baseball right now with the Washington Nationals. Um, again, without, that, without him in that lineup, what do the Nationals have? Absolutely nothing. And I'll get into that also <laughs> in this episode. Uh, but Juan Soto is just one of the best guys at the plate. You know, I've never seen a guy that young have as much discipline as he does. You know, you have the, the Soto shuffle for a reason. Guy just takes pitches that no one else does. You know, there's, and I get that, and I would hate facing him because there are guys when I threw to where I throw a curveball and it's like, how do you hate lay off that? Like, that's right there. And, you know, he just has that eye at the plate, you know, and he makes you pay for the ones you miss with. And he's such a great player, and I know he's going to continue to do great things. Um, hopefully he can stay there in, in Washington and be that face of the franchise for years to come. And the number one, there's no argument to be had here. It's Mike Trout. I mean, plain and simple, clear as day. This was the first name I wrote down on my, wrote down on my list because it's just – there's no argument to be had. He is the best player in baseball when he's healthy. That's the only thing, though. He needs to be healthy. Um, he hits for power. That dude's fast as heck. That dude could probably be a linebacker in the NFL or a safety, whatever, a corner for his, with the speed that he has. Probably could be a corner. And just be – he's just a presence at the top of the Angels order that no one else can have. Um, hits for power, hits for contact, hits for speed, gold glove outfielder, strong arm. Like he's literally the five-tools player, your prototypical five-tools player that you want. Um, he just needs to be healthy. You know, hopefully he comes back and he's be able to help the Angels because I think the Angels, if healthy, can definitely be contenders. So we'll see what happens there. But that's who I have for my top ten. Have any discussion or want to argue with me about it or think someone else should be somewhere else, hit me up. Like I said, I love having discussions like that. Big, big baseball mind, and I love hearing other people's discussions. But with that... Um, we have no ads this week, guys, so I have nothing to share with you. You guys will have nothing to space out transitions. Um, it's just all business. It's all baseball. You know, I'm sorry you get to. I'm sorry you have to listen to me. I know you're gonna be like, now we're already 40 minutes in. You're like, oh man, we still got Maddie C still rambling on about 
Mike Trout being the best player, yada, yada, yada. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, no, uh, we got no ads this week. Um, so we got just baseball talk, you know, and we'll, and we'll not, we'll, I don't want to say knock it out because I don't want to knock it out, but we're going to get it done. We're going to go into the breakdown now, and we're going to talk in at least baseball. You know, this was a, a semi-tight race. Um, you know, you got the Atlanta Braves at World Series champions, finished out on the top. Uh, versus dark horse team all of the postseason. They finished the year 88 and 73 to take over the, the division. You had the Phillies came right behind him at 82 and 80. You had the Mets at 77-85. Miami Marlins at 67 and 95. And then the Washington Nationals rounded out the back end with the 65 and 97 season. Oof. A rough one, Nats. Nats fans, I'm sorry. But uh, we're going to go ahead and break down the Nationals. Um, we're going to go in and jump into this. So with that, bring up my notes real quick. So with that, the key losses for the Nationals, I don't really have any. Um, I didn't have really any key losses for the Nationals ball club. I didn't think they really lost anything that was substantial, nor do I think they added anything that was substantial thus far. Um, I think... With the Nationals Club, I think it's just time to rebuild. I think it's just time to go from the ground up. You have the 23rd ranked farm system right now in the major leagues. I think it's time to just get that better, you know, start saving up money. So you can sign and sign Soto to a long-term deal, and you can be that guy, like I said, be that face of the franchise for years to come. Does that mean they don't do something crazy and go get someone like Freeman, Schwarber, and or Carlos Rondon? No. Um, but I don't think they will because they're not that type of club that's going to go and do that. Um, did, I think they made the right steps already in trading Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. I think those were the two right moves because there were two pieces you can get a lot from, and you know they already have. Um, so I think that was definitely the right step in the right direction. But I don't see the Nats doing much this offseason. I just feel they need to rebuild. Um, that's it. If they if they wanted to, I would love for them maybe to bring in a guy like Conforto to come in, come in on a low budget contract, um, and he can still give you a bat in the order. You know, I think this team's missing a bat, um, so Michael Conforto could be a guy you can go take a look at. You know, I think he's someone you can get low, low contract, maybe a year, or year or two, whatever he wants to sign to. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to go hurt your pocket or break the bank. You know what I mean? I think he's just someone that can. Wants a chance and wants to keep playing, you know, and allows you to build guys around you and be able to save for guys and trade for guys to build around Juan Soto to where you can be contenders in the near future. Because I think this team can. I think this team has a lot of potential. Um, I think they can do a lot of things if they have the right pieces and be able to do stuff. You know, you got a good rotation. You got Strasburg, who I don't know if we're talking about. If we're talking about rebuilding. You know, looking at this team, I don't think they're going to trade Strasburg, but he's 33 already, and you know you're you're getting you're getting what you can from him. You know, he made five starts last year. He had 21 innings pitched, but that's that's a guy that's battled injuries time and time again, off and on, been on pitch limits, been on innings innings limit. Like from the Nationals, I got to look at it and just be like, you know, when. Kind of when is enough going to be enough type of thing, you know? And so maybe they sell on Strasburg. You, you brought in Patrick Corbin on a big year after he had a good year. You still have yet to see the best of him. Um, I think those are I think those are guys maybe you just got to step away from and just 
trade them and just see what you can get for them. Because um, I don't know what longevity they're going to have for you in the long run uh, going forward. And I don't think you're in any place right now to be contenders. Um, so why not sell on them and get what you can for them, like I said, and build a team around Soto. Um, and with that being said, I'm going to jump into a prospect that I have that can come in and be that role for them. You know, one of the biggest things to do is building that ace rotation and getting that ace arm and that have high level rotation guy. And Kate Cavell, who's the number one prospect, who's a right-handed pitcher for the uh, Nationals, he was a 2020 first round pick by the Knacks, selected 22nd overall. And this guy is something Nats fans should be excited about. And I talk about saving money and rebuilding. This guy in the system has been mid-90s, jumping to 99 miles an hour. He's able to have a great curveball, 82-85. And he's able to pair that with a good changeup. And we're talking about a guy that's 6'4", has very good height to him, and has command of all pitches. And in his first season of pro ball, I'm sorry, his first, uh, yeah, his first season of pro ball, he had a, or first season at AAA, he posted a one, uh, 1.77, I'm sorry, no, sorry, let me retract here. He had a 1.77 single A, he had a 2.79 in double A, and if he can continue to stay hot in AAA, I don't see why not. If at the trade deadline, like I said, you decide to move on from Strasburg or Corbin, you bring him up. You know, if he's having a great year, you bring him up, let him get his feet wet in the pros, and let him develop to be where he can be a guy for you in the future. Um, but I think Kate is definitely a guy to keep an eye on if you're a Nats, if you're a Nats fan. Um, I think he's going to be probably a, your ace here in the next few years. Um, but we'll see. And then another guy I have to watch is named Matt Corinne. He's a left-handed pitcher. He's a reliever, though. You know, the biggest things about teams is when you're rebuilding is being able to have that solid bullpen and solid rotation, you know, and Matt is a great left-handed pitcher that is a reliever. So I wanted to give you Nats fans something to be excited about in the pitch in the pitching aspect of things, because um, I think that rota- I think that lineup will shape out just fine um, when it's all said and done. Um, when you trade for guys and whatever may happen, I think that rotation is fine. But building arms and getting arms is definitely one of the things that is I feel like is very hard to do in the major in major league baseball. And being able to find those right guys that are going to produce. With that, so I think Matt Corrin, um, he, Corrin, I believe, uh, solves issues in the future for the Nats, in which uh, Corrin shows the most MLB-ready stuff that you'll be able to find out of any team these past years after being drafted. He has a two-pitch mix. He has a 12-6 curveball. And he has a fastball that's in the mid-90s. Uh, which helped him to a .82 in his first professional season in the A-ball. Um, it was a small sample size, but he's shown good numbers, guys. You know, he's last year he had in 23 games, he had a he went four and one with a three ERA with four saves. Um, I'm hoping he has a bounce back, back bounce back season in the 2022 season because I think he's a guy that is going to be able to be, if not a closer, maybe a setup guy for the national for the Nationals. You know. Um, Reading his profile, he has great stuff. And I've seen, I watched a little bit of video on it. He's, he's a crafty lefty. And I think that's important in today's game is being able to get guys out. And if if he can use his stuff to get lefties out, righties out, be able to, no matter the matchup, be able to get do it, I think they're going to be in good shape. Um, I think this team could be really good in the future. But like I said, they just got to rebuild. I think that's the biggest thing. 
rebuild that team, get it all said and done, build around Soto, because I think in the end he's a he's your franchise guy. You know, he's still young. How you sign him to a long-term deal and build around him. That's all I really have for the Nationals, and I feel like that's all you really can do. So with that being said, next we are going to jump into the Miami Marlins. Um, Miami Marlins went out and signed Joey Wendell this year. You know, I like the direction the Marlins are headed. Um, getting Joey Wendell, I think you add that veteran presence to that lineup. You know, he's very versatile. I think I mentioned when we were talking about the Rays. Very versatile. You can play anywhere on the infield that you need him to. He can provide a nice pop. He gets on base. You know, he hits for, I think last year he about a 262. Um, so not great numbers from that type of area, but it's not bad. It's not terrible either. You know, 262 is like very average for Major League Baseball. You know, 300 where you're the best of the best. So I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to come into Miami, be able to fill a role, and be able to be get on base, you know. And I think this this rotation, you got probably one of the best – Young rotations in baseball here. Um, you got Altera, you got Rogers, you got Lopez, you got Hernandez, you got Lazardo. You know, you got all these guys are 24 to 26 years old with all electric stuff and stuff that can get guys out. I wish the Nationals were, the, were in this place, you know, because I think they're honestly looking at a window to where contention goes. I think the Marlins are ahead of the Nationals because they already have that rotation already solidified. You know, and I think that's that's a good place to be if you're a Marlin if you're a Marlins fan. You know, you already got one of the, probably one of the best young rotations in the arm now. It's just building that lineup, you know, and getting that rota- and that bullpen going. Um, um, but yeah, no, I think they can go out and get a guy like Andrew Chafin. You know, I think Andrew Chafin fits in well with this bullpen. I think he can go get a bat um, for the Marlins. Maybe go get a guy like Cassie Honest now that you got the DH role. You know, that gives you so much versatility. You know, you can put him at DH. You can put him at in the outfield. You know, you can platoon guys. Um, maybe you can even go get a guy like Nelson Cruz. Bring him into Miami now. Like I said, there's with the universal DH, there's so much versatility to be had. And this market's going to be crazy to watch because all these guys that can't play defense now can just go in and hit and on NL teams that need bats. And, you know, Nelson Cruz could come in here and be a presence in this lineup. Hit behind Aguilar. Um, Jesus Sanchez, you know, Abisal Garcia, um, Jazz Chisholm, I want, I want to see him a better year. I think he's a great player. I think he shows a lot of upside. Um, needs to make the routine plays, needs to get better at the plate. But I think they're just missing that presence in the lineup. Um, like I said, bringing in a guy like Nelson Cruz or just Castellanos or just some type of bat and then bringing in Andrew Chafin to fill out that bullpen. I think the Marlins could be in good shape. And building to be contention, uh, be building to be in contention again. Um, I don't think they're far away, you know. And even the prospect watch, you know, even if you, I think, here's what I think actually. If you're a Mar, if I'm in the Marlins general, if I'm the Marlins general manager, I think I'm gonna go out and sell on Hernandez, only because. You have Sixto Sanchez coming up in the minor leagues. Has very electric stuff. This guy throws 97 to 99, can touch 102. And, you know, he has a good diving changeup, upper 80s cutter, mid-90s curveball. 
you know, and he's a guy that's not too far out from being in the pros. So why not trade a guy who necessarily hasn't shown me the most? You know, he has good stuff. Don't get me wrong. He has great stuff. But in the 11 starts last year, he had a 4.180 ERA. So why not trade him, get what I can get. He's a young arm. He, oh, there's a lot of teams out there that just need young starting pitching. Trade him. Get what I can. Get a bat for him if I can. Um, and just sell high on him as much as I can. Get whatever I can for him. And then bring up Sixto. Because that doesn't hurt the rotation at all. Still a young rotation to build on. And this is your number four prospect in your farm system. So why wouldn't you bring him up? Get him started up here. Get him accumulated and we'll be pitching. Get his confidence up and ready for him to move on and be a guy for you moving forward. Because this line, this rotation is going to be so nasty in the future. And I can I cannot wait to see it all progress and get better uh, moving forward. So that's all I really have on the Mets. I would love to see him go get a bat like Castellanos or Cruz or one of those guys. Because I think they could be a big jump in that Miami Marlins rebuild. Um, or if you want to call it a rebuild, whatever you want to call it. Um, I still think they're in rebuild mode. I don't see them being in contention anytime soon. Uh, both those teams, I think, still have a lot of work to do before they're there. But that's what I have on them. So next, we're going to jump into the New York Mets, the team to talk about, right? You know, they lost Baez. They lost Stroman. Don't think those are huge losses. Um, you know, both good players, don't get me wrong, but they're not going to hurt this team in any sort of way when I say key losses and I talk about key losses I think they're guys that really do affect this team that without them you're not going to be able to do much you know and I don't think they're like those guys um losing them to the Cubs and the Tigers I think you're gonna be fine especially when you add a guy like Mad Max you know they went out and got Max Scherzer signed to a three-year deal um and on paper this rotation is so so good you know, you got Jacob DeGrom, you got Max Scherzer, you got Tyjon Walker, you got Carlos Carrasco, you got Tyler McGill. Like, this rotation on paper is just insane. And if they all stay healthy, this is going to be the best bullpen in ba- I mean, the best starting rotation in baseball because there's not a guy in this lineup or this rotation that's going to give you a bad start. You know, it's just a matter of if they, if they stay healthy. You know, Carlos Carrasco has been off and on with injury. Um, Scherzer had a dead arm in the postseason last year. DeGrom needs to stay healthy. Walker needs to stay healthy. Like, this rotation on paper is good. You know, it's just a matter of the health is going to be there. You know, and then, but I did, um, I did see Tyler, Tyler McGill. I was watching, scrolling, getting ready for, uh, this podcast that I'm giving you guys today. And I, and I stumbled upon a YouTube video. Um, I had some downtime. I was eating in between. I always watch YouTube whenever I eat. And a video popped up on my feed that was comparing McGill to DeGrom. You know, how they have similar stuff back when they were rookies. And how the vertical movement on fat, like all this, like the advanced numbers I'm not great with. Um, you know, but they were showing that vertical movement. Like McGill had showed vert- the same vertical movement that DeGrom did at that age. And if that's the case... And they are that similar in the delivery and all that type of stuff. Man, I'm telling you, to feed and be able to pick the brain of Jacob DeGrom, who's the best to do it right now, that is going to be fun to watch. Because McGill can go in there and be like, hey, 
Like, what? How do you how do you do this? How do you grip this? How do you pitch these torpid type of guys? You know, what's your thought process here? Uh, how do I command my changeup more here? Uh, yada yada yada. Like, there, it's just being able to be on a staff that has so much presence and has so much experience. If I'm Tyler McGill, I'm picking their brains. Yeah, Carrasco who's 34, been in the league for a long time. Scherzer been in the league for a long time. Degrom, the best pitcher in baseball. Like. I don't know who else you would rather be or where else you would rather be if you're Tyler McGill because you have the best guys to learn from in front of you. You know, and Walker, Tajon Walker is not no slouch either. You know, he's he's had his up and downs, but, I mean, he's still probably one of the best young arms still in the game. Uh, you know, and we'll see if he has a bounce back year. He had a 4-4-7 last year. I'm hoping he has a better year, um, and I think he will. Uh, but... You know, Tyler McGill, I think, is going to be good coming off a rookie year. This lineup um, filled with Brandon Nemo, Brandon Nemo, Starling Castro, Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonzo. You got Robbie Cano coming back. Like we talk about, the universal DH now. You got Robbie Cano hitting that DH role. Uh, they went out and got Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, Jeff McNeil, James McCann. Like, this lineup's pretty solid. You know, I like this lineup a lot, especially with uh, Robbie Cano. You know, you don't have to worry about him having to play defense. Uh, being as old as he is, he's, I don't want to say old, sorry for those people that are younger than this, but in baseball baseball age, he's getting up there. You know, he's 39. He's been in the game for a long time. His body is wearing down, coming off a suspension for doing steroids. And, you know, now he can come in and just hit. That's all he has to worry about now is just hitting. So I'm hoping he bounces back. I hope Robbie can help this team because hitting behind Alonzo, I think that's going to help Alonzo. Um get better pitches because now you got to deal with that whole middle of the order. You got Lindor, Alonzo, Cano. Um, I think that's going to help him, you know, and I think that I've heard, I've heard rumors say that they want to move uh, Jeff McGill and Dominic Smith. I've been hearing rumors that they want to move on from him. So we'll see what happens there. Um, which is very interesting. I don't know what they're going to get from or what they're planning on getting from him, but I really don't know what to do with this team. Um, you know, I could get an arm. I feel like I can go get an arm and get reassurance for the for the starting rotation, uh, not knowing their health or what's to come with them. I feel like I can go. I can easily go get a bullpen or a rotation arm. Um, but then again, I don't know. You know, I just with the Mets, I really don't know what to do. Um, you know, you got you got McCann, who I think you can upgrade at catcher, but you got someone coming up in the wings that can be serviceable to you in the near future too. So. I don't know. The Mets are a very interesting team. I think they're a contending team. I think they're going to be a lot better than what they were last year. Um, if that bullpen, I mean, I keep wanting to say bullpen. If that rotation healthy. Um, because this bullpen is still good. You got Edwin Diaz, uh, Edwin Diaz. You got Trevor May, Seth Lugo. You know, you got some guys in there in that bullpen that have been spectacular, you know, over this past year. And I think they're going to be fine in the bullpen. I think they're going to be fine in the rotation. It's just if that rotation can stay healthy. I think this team is very dependent on that rotation and them being healthy. Um, but prospects coming up, they got Francisco Alvarez, like I said. You got Brian McCann. Not Brian McCann, sorry. James McCann. Um, who you can get more upside from. Uh, you know, I would love to see improvement there. But Francisco Alvarez is a catcher. He's a guy as of right now. He's, his ETA is twenty twenty three, But if he's hitting... And he's producing at the level he's at, and he's shooting through the minor leagues this year. Why not bring him up? You know, why not let him come up and be a, a guy for you? You know, and be able to produce. Um, given he still has to learn how to 
handle a big big league rotation. You know, that's a big thing with catchers learning that jump. Uh, but why not? You know, last year he started out in A-ball where he hit 417, had a 567 on base percentage. You know, and then he got moved to the high A where he had 351. Um, he ended out the year last year hitting 247 in 84 games um, in A-ball. Uh, but, you know, it's like slight dip in average. But I think he's I think he at the best is still ahead of him. You know, he's still a great hitting catcher. Uh, that's who he's signed up for. He's great behind the plate from what I've read on his profile. So I think I think the best is yet to come from him. So why not bring him up and in the near future? I don't think it comes up this year or next year. I think he may stick to his ETA. If anything, you'll see him next year, but I definitely think catcher is definitely something you need to address um if you start contending more. Maybe at the deadline, go get a catcher. Whatever the case may be. I just think that's something you need to do. Um, so with that said, we're going to jump in now to talking about the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, we're moving along here. Like I said, guys, we got no ads. You know, it's just me and you talking baseball. You know, and, uh, you know, I love doing this. You know, I feel, I'm trying to break these teams down the best I can and give you guys my thoughts on them. And because if I'm listening, I'm trying to, like, okay, what do you think about my team? What's this, this, and that? So I'm trying to give you guys the best breakdown as I can uh, going forward and giving you guys my thoughts. So next, we're uh, going to the Phillies. They didn't lose anyone. They added Corey Knable, who I thought was a great addition to this bullpen. Uh, you already got Jose Alvarado. You got Connor Brogdon, Valley Boy. Uh, Sam Con- You got Sam Conrad. Uh, Dominguez, you know, this is a pretty solid bullpen. I think adding Kirby or uh, Knable was good. I still think that they go out and get a guy like Colin McHugh. I think a Colin McHugh would be very good in this in this bullpen as well because of what he brings, you know. Uh, speaking on Connor Brogdon, uh, I, I got to play with him back when I was younger. I kept in touch with him. He went to my junior college. Um you know, he's a guy that throws hard. You know, I'm going to speak on him only because I know what he brings. He throws hard. He's a fireballer, right? If I'm the, if you're looking at matchups-wise, I bring in Brogdon, throws hard, and then I'm able to go to a guy like Colin McHugh, who's a crafty guy, works his slider, works his cutter, uh, works in and out. You know, that's, that's going to mess with guys, you know, and you bring him in there for multiple innings, bridge that gap to Corey Knable. You know, I think that helps you in the long run because he gives you a different look. He gives you that different set of eyes. He gives you that different perception to where your timing can get jacked up. So I think they're not done yet. I think they go get a guy like Corey Knable. Um I would love to see that happen. You know, you still got Romero, who's still hurt. Um, I don't know when he's expected back, but that's another bullpen arm. You can have in there this rotation. I love you got Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, who I think is going to have a bounce back, back, back bounce back year from last year. You got Suarez, you got Kyle Gibson. Um, you know, I like this. I like this rotation a lot. This lineup is so probably up there in the league. You got Segura, you got Hoskins, you got Harper, the best, one of the best catchers in the game, Real Muto, um, Didi Gregorius. I'm not sold on. I'll go into that here in a bit. You got Boom. You got um, you got the rest of the, the rest of the line. We got Muniak, Verslung, Hasley. You know, but Didi Gregorius for me, I think I think it's just time for the Phillies to move on from him. I'm looking at this lineup, and he just he just doesn't provide anything for me. You know, he doesn't do anything for me in the lineup. So 
I think it's time to move on from whether we sell, we sell them the or the Phillies sell them, and you try to just get what you can from them. I don't know what, um, maybe a bullpen arm, prospects, whatever you can. But I think I think it's time. I'm going to prime prospect watch a little bit. I think it's time to bring up Boston Scott. I mean Bryson Scott. I'm sorry, he's a shortstop. I think you got to bring this kid up. You know, I think he's a guy that can win a job out of spring training if we have one. I'm hoping we do, like I mentioned. But I think this is a guy that can be a start, your starting shortstop at the beginning of the season. You know, because this dude can absolutely hit. He's going to produce more than what Didi Gregorius can. Uh, everywhere he's been, he's hit. You know, and with ease. In rookie ball, he hit 667. In a short season, 44 games, he hit 274. Fast forward to 2021 and high, he hit 288. Double A, 88 games, 301. And short sample size here, but triple A, he hit 303. So let him come out in spring training. Let him get those at-bats. I'm, I'm putting him in as many lineups as I can and letting him earn a spot because I think he can be your opening day shortstop and give you guys more production at the plate than what a D.D. Gregorius can. You know, I think you need to sell him. You got you got a lot of vets there to help him go through the ins and outs of things. You got Bryce Harper, Ramuto, all the guys that have been there already and know what it takes to be that young guy stepping into a major league clubhouse and having to perform. You know, I think they've all done it. They've all been there and done that. So Bryson Scott is definitely a guy I want to see up there, and I think that's to start off my prospect watch, someone that can win a job out of spring training. And this next guy, I'm giving him love. He's a guy I also got to face um, throughout my years in high school and Little League. Um, Colin Eastman, I think he's a name Phillies fans need to be get familiar about, um, familiar with. I think he's someone that can you can see up there sometime this year. Um, this guy's a competitor. You know, you drafted him in the fourth round out of Cal State Fullerton. Um, I love watching this guy pitch because he's just a competitor. He's a bulldog on the mound. Anytime he's on the mound, you know what you're getting from. You know that he, he's going to go out there and compete and give you everything he has for as long as he's on that mound. And, you know, I think he's someone you can definitely see. If if Kraus doesn't work out in that five spot, why not bring him up and see what he can do? You know, I think he, I think he deserves that because everywhere he's been, he's been consistent. He's been a 3.0 type pitcher at every every level he's been at. You know, he's been consistent. He throws low nines, um, has a hammer of a curveball, probably one of the best ones I've ever seen. Um, I love watching this guy pitch, and I love to see him get an opportunity. Am I giving him love because he's a Valley guy? Yes. Okay, maybe I am, but he's deserving of it, and I love to see him get up there. So I think that's a name Phillies fans need to really get familiar with is Colton Eastman. And if you want to go look up, look him up, look up his stats, and see it all for yourself. This kid, this kid can throw, you know, and he performs at every level he's been at. So here we go. We're going to wrap it out here with the World Series champs, Atlanta Braves. And here we go, guys. You know, last team, like I said, we got no ads, so there's nothing stopping us in between. You know, we're only an hour we're only we're an hour into this. You know, if you're still with me, stick with me a little bit longer. I promise you, we're almost done, and you won't have to hear my voice anymore. All right, okay. I know, I know, it can get annoying at times, <laughs> but. We're on our last team. We got the Atlanta Braves. Um, I have key losses. I have Freddie Freeman. Um, I have Freddie Freeman on here only because I don't know if he's coming back. Um, I would love for him to. I think this is a place where I think he belongs. Um, but you don't. But Atlanta's never been the type of team to hold on to a guy for a long time. And I don't know if he's going to. I don't know if they want to spend the type of money it's going to take uh, to keep a guy like Freeman there. 
Um, that's why I'm kind of I'm thinking he still does leave. I'm hoping he doesn't go to the Dodgers. That's a team that's been tossing around left and right. You see, I, and me being in California, I see a lot of fan edits of Freddie Freeman in Dodgers uniform. I don't want to see that happening. But I'm sure the other way around, too, there's been a lot of edits of him in the Yankee uniform, and I wouldn't mind that one bit. So <laughs> I would not mind him in a Yankee uniform at all. He can more than welcome come play in pinstripes. But, you know, I don't, I don't, know, if the, I don't know if the Braves are willing to spend the money there. Um, I look at this lineup. You got Swanson. You got Albies. You got Riley. You got Ozuna. You got Duvall. Uh, you got Travis uh, Travis Arnard. You got Orlando Arcia. You know you got you got a great you got a great lineup here. Um, I don't really have them adding much um, with the universal DH. Like I said, this provides a lot a lot of flexibility. I think they go out and bring back Jock Peterson. Why not bring back Jock Peter Peterson? Bring back Jorge Soler. You know, he just has to hit for you. He just has to be that middle-of-the-order bat. Jock can do both. He can be the DH. He can be the the outfielder that you need him to be, whatever the case may be. But I think those are two guys that you got to reunite and got to bring back. Because I think those two in these lineup, the, in this lineup, it changes the whole dynamic of it. Because now you bat him in that middle-of-the-order between Ozuna, Duvall, Riley. Like, gives this lineup a different look. And I would love to see a reunion with one of those guys, if not both of them. I think both of them. I think it's manageable to probably get both of them. I don't think both of them are sinking a crazy contract. Um, coming, I mean, they're both coming off World Series, so maybe they are. They both had a great series, um, but I think those are two dudes that you can definitely see back in Atlanta by the by the time it's all said and done. I wouldn't be surprised if they are. Um, but yeah. And then we go into this rotation. You got Max Fried, you got Charlie Morton, you got Ian Anderson, you got uh, you know, you got Tucker Davidson. Uh, as a as a Fangraphs has as a one, two, three, four, and five. And this is this is a good rotation. You still got Soroka. Don't know what you're gonna get from him. That dude's been injury prone the past year, um, year and a half. He just can't stay healthy. But when he's healthy, he's lights out and. Again, health concerns, dude. Um, that's the biggest thing I feel like I keep talking about here is just health. Staying healthy. Because if Soroka is healthy, this lineup, I mean, this rotation is really, really good. Because now you can bump Freed down. Now you got my, now you got Mike Soroka. Now you got Max Freed. Um, Morton is now the three. Anderson is now the four. You know, like this, this rotation gets even better. And then you got Will Smith. You know, you got you got a solid bullpen here. You know, any all of them rank anywhere from two to one to two ERAs. Like this bullpen's pretty solid; that can win you ball games. And you know, and you still got Acuna coming back. I mean, I forgot to even mention him. I have him on my list for top ten players. Marcel, I mean, sorry, Marcel. Ronald Acuna is coming back. You know, he's going to be a boost in this lineup. So I think the Braves are still going to be in contention and give that World Series run again, dude. I think. This team is still really, really good. I think if they're healthy, they're going to be one of the best teams. I still think they can add a bat. Like I said, go add a bat. Just someone that can fill that role in that rotation. Um, I mean, and go fill, go get someone that can fill in that lineup and give you guys a boost that you guys need because I think they're just missing a big bat. Maybe a bullpen arm. Uh, go get someone else that can help out in that bullpen um, rotation. I think it's going to be just fine. But this Braves team is really good still, and I think they're going to be good. 
if they can keep it together and stay healthy. Um, that's all I got on the Braves. Prospect watch, I was scrolling through, and I, there's not really a lot that jumped off the page for me. There's a lot of outfield and pitching depth, that's for sure. There's a lot of outfielders, and I was like, okay. like, And like I said, I try to find a team need for y'all. I always try to piece together something that a team needs, and they can have something looking forward to replace that need. Um, and I didn't see that with the Braves, you know. I mean, they have a lot of outfield depth there, and I don't think they're in need of an outfielder right now. Um, but I was scrolling through, and I found – I'm going to probably butcher this guy's last name. He's the number 15th prospect right now. Spencer Sholin Branch, I think is what it is. And he was interesting to me because I was scrolling through, and he's listed as a shortstop or right-handed pitcher. So reading more on him, the scouts have it to where he throws 94 to 97 on the mound, topping out at 99. Has a low 80s slider and a mid 80s changeup. And he's been compared to Jacob deGrom. They're like, okay, well, he has stuff that's similar to Jacob deGrom, so I'm going to compare him to Jacob deGrom. You know, he has that type of stuff. But then reading on it, too, they're like, but he can also hit. He can play, he can field, he can hit the ball pretty dang well, too. So I think the Braves are just going to play him. I think he just got drafted, if I'm not, if not, I'm not mistaken, I don't believe he's had a year of pro ball yet. But this is a guy that I think is very exciting about if I'm a Braves fan because he can do it all, you know, if you need him to. You know, whether he's at shortstop or he's on the mound, I think that's to be seen. I think they're going to try to see. He's coming off a Tommy John surgery in Nebraska. Um, So it's still to be seen what he's capable of of at the pro level. Um, We'll see, though. I'm very excited to see what can happen with him. I think that's a guy I'm going to keep my eye on it throughout the year. And kind of see where they have him. Look at his stats. Look at his numbers on the mound. Look at look at his numbers at the plate. Because I think they're going to give him the opportunity to do both. To see which one he fits best at. But even the scouts were saying. Like, even if he didn't get drafted as a pitcher. He was going to probably get drafted as a hitter. Um, he's just as good of a hitter than he is a pitcher. So I think that's very excited about if I'm a Brace fan. Definitely be on the lookout for that guy. Um, next we're going to go. Next. Coming off of that y'all. We're wrapping up here. Stay with me. Um, division winners. You know, I've talked about all the teams already. I've talked about what team needs, what teams could go get, what they need. Um, but still, I think this. I think the division winner comes down to the Phillies. I think the Phillies have a really good put together ball club. You know, and I think if they put Bryson Scott or bring up Bryson Scott sometime. Throughout the year, and he performs the way he has in the minors. I think that guy is going to help this team out. You know, like I said, Aaron Ola, I think he's going to be on a bounce back campaign. Um, that rotation's good. The bullpen's good. Uh, I think the Phillies are the team to be in this division. You know, I'm sorry, Braves fam. Sorry, Ashay. <laughs> sorry, Shay. I know this is your team, but I just think the Phillies are on paper a really good ball club, and I think they're the team to beat this year. You know, um, Mets are probably right there, right behind. Along with the Braves, this is a, I think I think this is to be a tighter race than what we saw last year. I think the Mets, Phillies, and Atlanta are going to come down to the very end of the season to where it's going to be kind of similar to the NL East. I mean, the AL East last year to where there was a game that divided all these teams because I think these all three of these teams are that good. I think, like I said, Nationals are going to be in rebuild. Miami's still rebuilding. They're on the upside, um, but they're still rebuilding. But this is a three teams race. It's just a matter of who's hot at the right time whose rotation is healthy, whose lineup is hitting. 
um, is able to get guys in and drive guys out and hit the ball out of the ballpark, you know. And all three, line, all three of these lineups are capable of doing so. It's just a matter of who's healthy. I think that's the biggest thing with the three clubs It's just who's healthy, which team's the healthiest, and that's going to be the decipher of who wins the division. Um, but I got the Phillies winning it. Um, you know, I think they're a great ball club, and I think they're going to come out on top. Um, so wrapping out today, you know, we always do a guess that player. And since I don't have Brendo here, sadly, I miss him already. Uh, we're just going to – I'm going to give you – our guest, our guest that player is going to be for you. I'm going to read off teams he played for, his accolades. I'm going to see if you guys can guess it. I'll give you guys a little bit of time as I go through. Um, then I'm going to reveal the answer. And, and every time I do this, it's going to be a name that we haven't heard for a while. You know, a name like like I mentioned that one time, Carlos Guillen. You know, that's just a name that you just unlock from the memory box. You're just like, oh, wow. Totally forgot that. I totally forgot about that guy. You know, maybe like a Magliarello Donez, you know. And, you know, just guys that we haven't heard and heard of for a while. Um, I got some extra interesting ones coming up. But this one, um, he was a two-time All-Star. He was a Gold Glove winner in 2005. He won the Silver Slugger in 2004. And he won the Home Run Derby in 2005 as well. He played for the Phillies, Yankees, Dodgers, and the Angels. Best known for his career with the Phillies. Um, had a short stint with the Yankees, Angels, and Dodgers. I would say you would know him more so for his career with the Phillies. Um, probably one of the best hitters that the Phillies had at that time. Um, but I'm going to give you guys a little bit of time and see if you guys can get it. I'll give you guys maybe about five more seconds. I'm going to reveal the answer. Maybe you guys get it. If you do, let me know. I'd like to see it. Put it down the TikTok. I'll be out with the TikTok today. Um, look out for that. I'll probably be doing, I don't know. But I haven't mind yet. I uh, today I believe is the one I'm going to be doing where I build a team. I'm um, gonna try something new other than a video breakdown. Be on the lookout for that. I will do that as well this week. I don't know if I'm gonna do that one today or Thursday. I'm gonna try to do two this week. So be on the lookout for those. Go comment on them. Let me know the fan base. Let me know you guys are out there. You know, go follow us. It is Boys Don't Lie the podcast on TikTok. Be sure to go follow that. Hit up all the boys on social. Hit me up on Instagram. Uh, link trees there to everyone's socials. Hit us up. Um, but with that being said, the guest that player is Bobby Abreu. I know. I know, guys. I know. You guys' reaction is like, whoa, that is a name I have not heard in a very long time. And same for me. I was like trying to figure out a guy to do, and I was like, wow, I totally forgot about this guy, you know? We do that a lot. Like last, last week, uh, or last episode, I think Brendo had Lance Berkman. I thought it was his guy, and I was like, wow, totally forgot about that guy even existed too. But with that being said, guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, reading off the BDL lineup this week. Uh, be sure to listen to the Owen Show. We got that coming out with Tim and Owen. We got the mansion. We got one of one. And, of course, the name of our brand, the headliner, the one you guys all tune in this podcast to listen to, Boys Don't Lie, the show with my guys Sam, Owen, and Samari. Be sure to go listen to those guys throughout the week. Those episodes should be out. Um, Owen's show should be coming out the next, I believe, tomorrow. And then the rest will be following. Um, I'm excited, guys. I'm excited to start this journey with you guys on my own. Let, let me know feedback you guys have. Be sure to keep in contact with me. Keep sending in fan questions. Like I said, I really love those. Um, other than that, guys, that's it. That's all I got for you. Thank you guys for – if you're still here, thank you guys for listening to me for this long. I know – 
It's kind of grueling. No ads, no other counter arguments or anything. I know it can be hard. Um, thank you guys for sticking with me. I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. Hope you guys have a great day. Um, God bless, and I'll listen. I'll talk to you guys in this next episode I have coming out next Tuesday. So, and we'll break down the NL Central. You know, a lot of good teams there too. A lot of good features there. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you guys. You guys have a great rest of your day. Bye.